0: Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life, so we encourage you to share your story with us at info Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we wanna encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that by clicking on the giving link located in the description below this video, online at fellowshipgj.com, or if you're a member here at Fellowship Church, you can give through our church center app. This will help us to continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thank you for joining us and enjoy today's message.
1: We are so excited to worship with you. I wanted to share a verse with you this morning. It's from Psalm 59, 16. And it says, but I will sing of your power. And in the morning, I will shout for joy about your gracious love. For you have been a fortress for me and a refuge when I am in distress. Can we agree that God is good no matter what situation we're facing, no matter our circumstances? All right, so let's put our hands together. Let's shout it out. Let's sing it out and give him the love that he needs.
2: Thank you. see
0: Jesus, thank you for doing it again. Just showing up, God. Just being here. Lord, your promise to say that you are here with us. Emmanuel, God with us. Thank you, thank you for that. Thank you, Jesus. I feel like for some of us, there might be someone in here or or tuning in right now, that like that last song was hard to sing because you might be in a place of pain, a place of sorrow, a place of hurt and thinking that, man, if if God would have done something, he would have already done it by now. But I want you to know he is fighting for you. He loves you. He gave it all for you already. He purchased you. You know what you're worth is the precious blood of Jesus. I just, I just can feel the Lord's heart wanting everyone to know, man, I love you. I love you. So will you lift your hands in, in prayer with me? Jesus, thank you for your love for your sacrifice, for who you are. That though we might not have seen something happen yet, God, you are fighting for us on our behalf. You are going before us, you are beside us, and you are behind us. God, we stand on these promises, knowing, Jesus, that you will make a way that no matter what I see in the pain that is in my life, God, you will make a way because in your presence there is love, in your presence there is joy, in your presence there is peace. And so Father, I pray that we can feel that. Let the hurt in the room feel that. Feel your presence, God, that every knee bows at the name of Jesus. So we declare the name of Jesus over each and every one of us, whether we are tuning in at home or here in this room. Lord, let us feel your presence. Open our eyes to see the things you want us to see. Open our ears to hear the things you want us to hear. Lord, we love you and we surrender our pain, our hurt to you, God, because you, Jesus, matter. We love you in your heavenly name, amen. Amen. Come on, give him another shout of praise. He's good. (laughs) All right, if you're uh, here in the room, why don't you go ahead and say hello to somebody and make your way back to your seat. For those of you tuning in with us, thank you so much for spending your Sunday morning with us. Wherever you're at, let us know. I love to see when people are like camping and they're still tuning in uh, here at Fellowship or if you're just out of state, it's really cool to see how far the reach of Fellowship Church has gone just outside of our community, but so far beyond because man, God is limitless and he is doing amazing work here. We feel his presence. So I wanna welcome you online as well. Whether you're in person or tuning in and you're new to fellowship, you wanna just find out some more information or you wanna get in contact with some staff, ask some questions, anything like that, go ahead and get your cell phone out and text the word fellowship to 94000. Once you do that, texting the word fellowship to 94,000, you'll get in contact with a staff member. We'll be able to text you through the week and answer any questions you have and get you an invite to our guest reception. For those of you that maybe have been attending for quite a while, even years or whatever, and you are wanting to jump in, make an impact, whether it's through serving or just growing in your faith more, Go ahead and uh, meet us in the lobby. For those of you that are in person uh, at the Connection Desk, which is on the east side of the lobby here, um, I'll be there afterward. I'd love to help you sign up for a group or a class or show you any information like that. For those of you online, you can find all that information on the Church Center app as well. Right now, we're gonna go into a time where we're gonna continue worshiping God with the giving of our tithes and offerings. There are so many different ways to give, Here, uh, my favorite is on the Church Center app. That's what my wife and I do. It's really simple, really easy to give through there. You can also text to give. Uh, If you're in person, you can drop by the um, offering boxes in the lobby and put something in there. Of course, see us through the week as well. You can drop by in person through the week uh, and drop your tithe off there as I was thinking about this whole uh, process of like what tithing is and, and how we're giving to God and how it's a heart posture, I always kind of break it back down to like the elementary basics in that, if we believe scripture says that everything that is good and perfect comes from God, right? That's in James. So everything that's good and perfect comes from God. I mean, if you get a financial blessing, that's pretty good, right? That's, that is a good thing. We could all probably say that. So if it comes from God and we are supposed to give 10% back, and we talk about giving our tithe, it's more like a return. We're returning our tithe, right? But if it's 10%, that means that we still have 90%. That's an A still, right? That is an A. I would get an A on that report card if, it was a nine, if I got 90%. And what's crazy about that, though it's 90%, we could have had 100, but we instead have 90 in our bank account. It's crazy that God makes a 90 feel like 190 really easily. He does, right? We don't know how it works. All of a sudden, I didn't need as much gas this, this week, or it seems like gas prices are going crazy right now, right? I didn't need to have to fill up again. Or all of a sudden, like the housing thing that I was looking at trying to get approved or whatever, like it's covered. It's crazy how it's not just like a monetary gift that's given to return back to us, but all of a sudden the life of a car is elongated, and God blesses us in finances in so many more ways than just um, an, a more plus signs in our bank account, but it's crazy how that 90 can feel like a whole lot more, and it's a heart posture. God doesn't need our money, but he wants our hearts, and so it's a way that we can love him back. So if you are in need of a financial breakthrough or know someone that is, uh, I just want to pray a prayer blessing over you right now. Jesus, thank you, God, for who you are. Thank you, Jesus, for, um, man, everything you've already given us. So Father, let us um, just be able to feel your love and, and bless, bless um, these, these gifts that we're giving, God. We are loving you back through this. And we love you, Jesus. And so, Father, I pray that every single person that's listening to this or is in the room, I pray, Lord, that you can just pour out a financial blessing on their families, um, on themselves, God. Let jobs last. Let the cars last. Whatever that looks like, Jesus. We trust you with the details. But, God, we worship you. We don't worship the gift. We worship the giver. And so, God, I love you. We thank you. And I pray you can lay your hand of blessing on us. In your heavenly name, amen. Well, thank you guys so much for spending your Sunday morning with us here at Fellowship Church. Here's a few other things that are happening.
3: If you are new here or it is one of your first times visiting, we would love to get to know you a little bit better. Our guest reception is taking place on Sunday, March 21st in between the nine and the 11 o'clock service. We know it's a big facility with a lot of people and so we just wanna give you the opportunity to meet us, to show you around, to answer any questions that you might have about serving opportunities and different things like that. We'd love for you and your family to join us. You'll get a free breakfast. So if you are interested in participating in this guest reception, you can sign up on the Church Center app, or you can get more information at the Information Center. Baptisms are taking place Sunday, March 28th in between the nine and the 11 o'clock services. This is the perfect opportunity to make a public declaration of your faith, if that is where you are in your journey with Christ. So if you are interested, you can sign up on the Church Center app. You're not going to want to miss it. It takes place in the 4640 Student Center. All of your friends and family can be there. It's a very intimate and beautiful moment, and we'd love to see you there. Pastor. Tim is starting a brand new class called Three Kings. This is gonna start on April 14th, that's a Wednesday night, and it's gonna take us through the lives of Saul, David, and Solomon. It's gonna be so interesting. These guys' lives are so incredible and so crazy, so you're not gonna wanna miss out. There's gonna be more information to come, but for now, mark your calendars, April 14th. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope that you enjoy the rest of today's service.
4: Well, good morning, and congratulations for getting here on Daylight Savings Time. You made it. Your, your your neighbor might look like they're a zombie right now, so you might just have to elbow them and keep them awake or go get them some more caffeine uh, during the service. But I'm excited about today. I'm, I'm glad that you're here, and I know it's early, so I need you to talk back with me. I need you uh, to participate with me today, because I'm excited about this Uh, Word. We're going to be taking a look at a passage today that's only four verses long. It's a very short passage, but since the theme of this year and really what we're focusing on as a church is talking about following Jesus, walking with Jesus, I love this passage because in this short four verses we learn so much about Jesus and we learn so much from Jesus. So I want to just dive right in here and read it. Matthew chapter 9 starting in verse 35 says, then Jesus... Went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered, like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Today, the title of my message is When Jesus Saw Them. When Jesus Saw Them. In fact, would you turn to your neighbor and look him right in the eyes and tell him Jesus sees you. Jesus sees you. Now, don't say it like a threat, I mean. funny I remember as a kid like I'd hear that Jesus is watching you Jesus sees you I'm saying like what is he watching me for like why am I going to get in trouble no I think we get a different sense from this passage there's there's a compassion that we see that that Jesus sees you Jesus sees you would you pray with me heavenly father We come before you right now in Jesus' name, and we pray that, uh, just just like Will prayed a minute ago, that you would open our eyes to see, open our ears to hear, that, God, as we get into your word, it would change us. Help us to see Jesus more. And, God, I pray for each of us as individuals, though it's easy to say, I I wish so-and-so would hear this, no, God, what do you want to tell me today? So please speak to us today, God, whether we're... At home, driving in the car, listening to this later, God, speak to us now. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. I wish, I honestly wish I could stand up here in front of you and tell you that I'm not a procrastinator. But the truth is I have an issue. I, my name's Dan Hooper and, um, and I'm a procrastinator. Uh, I, I, I wanna do things but then I put them off and I put them off so long that I just forget about it. Normally, that's, that's, that's what happens. I wonder how many of you would just be honest and you tell me you're a procrastinator, anyone? Okay, you see all those hands? You guys are the assertive ones because you put your hand up. It's the people that are thinking about raising their hands and you might <laughs> get around to it later. Those are the true procrastinators. I was going to ask people to put this in the chat that I'm a procrastinator, but the, the service would be over by the time you get around to it. So I know I'm a procrastinator because two and a half years ago we moved into the home that we're in right now, and uh, and I just recently found some unopened boxes that um, we still haven't unpacked into our house. That might be you. You know, you, you buy a picture to put it on the wall and it doesn't go on the wall for like years and eventually you just, you're used to it, like it's just the art that leans up against the wall on the floor, that's, you know, maybe you're the Shoe family, you know, the, the shoe family is the family that every time you come in the house, you kick your shoes off at the door, and then the next day, you go get another pair of shoes from your closet, and you kick them off at the door, and you think, I'm gonna get around to this, and you, 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 the shoes are there for so long, you don't even see the shoes anymore until some friend comes over to your house, and they're like, they're trying not to break an ankle getting over the pile of your stinky shoes getting into the house. It's like, we can gonna have a tendency to, to procrastinate. In fact, it's interesting because I found the empty boxes in my garage, or the, the, sorry, the unopened boxes in my garage. And I found it because we had a project going on in our house, and I'm running back and forth into the garage, and, and I'm trying to get to some different tools and stuff like that, and, and I can't get to them because there, there's stuff in the way, and I start moving it, and like, what is this? that says Kitchenware. (laughs) It's just like, like I've got all these things that are in the way. Like, and what's so crazy about this is these boxes have been there, and I've walked through the garage every day for two and a half years, and I just stopped seeing it. And and my wife stopped seeing it. And now it's just part of our house is that there's a pile of boxes in our garage. It's like. It's the thing, and that can be the truth about our daily lives, is that you can be around things, and you can be around people enough to where it just becomes routine, and you don't even see them anymore. That you can be around that barista at Starbucks, and it's just part of your routine, so you don't even see her anymore. That... That, that clerk at the gas station that you think is just kind of grumpy and he's always got an attitude. It's like you, you just don't even see him anymore. You can be around people and not truly see them. You can look at them on a daily basis, your coworkers, your, your family members even, and not even see them. I've got good news for you today, though, because this is, this is not a message to, uh, to make you feel guilty, to coerce you and manipulate you into trying to act different for a couple days so you leave here feeling bad and, and you act different for a couple days and then, and then you go back to normal. That never helps anyone. It doesn't help you and it doesn't help the people around you. No, I got good news for you because Jesus knows, our Heavenly Father knows that that you and I have issues with this, that that we're just human, that we're, the Bible says we are just dust. And and he knows that we have a tendency to get into a routine where we can be going through life and so focused on our own projects and our, our own self to the point to where we stop even seeing the other people that are around us that are hurting, that are weary, that are broken. He knows this so, so he empowers us and he he equips us, he makes a way for you and I to be able to, to change and grow. There's a grace that God gives us where his Holy Spirit can give us an awareness to where we can change. And and you could have missed it when we first read the this passage, this four scriptures, but but he gives us a game plan. He he empowers us to be able to change. He 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 gives us the way to change. Because you know that you and I, we, we should be different. We, we should see people different than the rest of the world. We, it, not, not because we're better, but because we're following Jesus and he can empower us. It's so interesting because we're, we're looking at Jesus, we're talking about following Jesus, the perfect model, right? Like, he's the model of perfection. He is the son of God. We are to live our lives like him, to look like him, to be empowered by him, to have grace from him. He is the model. And that's why it's so shocking when you read this verse. In verse 36, it says, but when he saw the multitudes, when he saw them, Now, what's weird to me about this is if you've ever read the Gospels, what you know is true is you know that everywhere Jesus went, he was surrounded by people. Everywhere. Like, he... He would go to some place to speak, and thousands and thousands and thousands of people would show up to hear him speak. He would walk through a town, and he would create chaos. So he, he would have to try to slip away because there would always be a mob of people following him. So much so, to the point where the Bible shows us he needed to go away for times of solitude and times of rest. He needed a vacation. And, and, And what's so funny is there's stories in the Bible where Jesus is like, I'm gonna take a vacation. I'm going to the other side of the lake. I gotta get away from you people right now, you know? And and the crazy thing is Jesus goes on vacation just to turn around and see that everybody who was trying to go on a vacation to get away from came with him. Like, could you imagine that? You save up your money for a whole year to get away from your coworkers for one week. And you go on vacation and you show up at the pool and all your co-workers sitting there looking at you. (laughs) Like, good Lord, can I have a break? Right? So Jesus is around people all the time. The Bible says he's, he's healing the sick. He's healing every type of disease. He's teaching in the synagogues. Everywhere he goes, he's with people. But the Bible says, then when he saw the people, what does that tell me? That, that tells me that you can be around people and you can even look at people and not truly see people. Oh, Heavenly Father, I pray that in our church you, you would empower us and just uh, fill us with the gift to be able to truly see people, to see people the way that you want us to see people, to see people for who they really are. And he saw the people and he was moved with compassion for them. He, he, he was around them when he saw them and he hurt for them. That's why you and I, we should be different than than everyone else. We should be different than the rest of the world. We should treat people differently, so we should treat the, the barista at Starbucks different than the next person, and the next person, and the next person who's just going through their day like, come on, I'm on a schedule, I got places to be, get the thing moving now. And, and maybe she hasn't heard her name said, and no one's asked her how she's doing. And that guy that you deal with at Walmart that's never known a day of customer service in his life, It's like, mate, we've gotta treat them different, why? Not because we're better, but because we see them. And what do we see? We see that the Bible says that they're weary, they're scattered, they have no leader. It said, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. What is this saying? It's saying that people are exhausted they 're exhausted they're scattered they have they feel like they have no home no place of rest they're they're just off on their own and they're bouncing from one thing to another from from one workplace to the soccer field to the kids' school to the they're, they're just they're, they have no direction and when you've been hurt by leadership and you've been hurt by promises and you've been hurt by so many different things and you feel like I have nothing I can trust nothing I can hold on to and I'm just trying to make it through life i'm exhausted. Man, I know, I don't even have to ask you if you know what it feels like to be exhausted, because for crying out loud, this last year is like we've all learned a new level of exhaustion, right? I mean, but we're not just talking about those of us who have peace in Jesus, and those of us who have his Promises And those of us who can lean into him, we're talking about people who go through life every day not knowing that they have a God, not knowing that they have a savior, not knowing that they have a shepherd to lead and protect and provide for them. And if you think about that, and you think about the people that we run into in the workplace that are so difficult to deal with, you've gotta understand, what if that were you? And you didn't know how much Jesus loves you. And you didn't know that you have a God who can be your peace, in the most difficult times and who can comfort you and care for you and give you the strength that you need. You would be rude, too. You'd probably use your middle finger in traffic a little bit more, too. There's some of you that need to stop that or get our sticker off the back window of your car, one of the two. (laughs) But I'm telling you, it's like, think about it. Think about who you were before Jesus. Think about where you were. You were angry. You were tired. You were bitter. You were broken. You were just as jacked up as I am. (laughs) I mean, the truth is, we all have our issues and we all. Uh, we, we struggle and, and, and we look at other people and, and it's so easy to look at other people with judgmental eyes and think, man, I can't believe they act that way. They're, they're just so messed up. What's wrong with the world this, these days and stuff like that? And look at ourselves and overlook our own problems and overlook our own difficulties. But let me tell you something, church. The gospel church is a compassionate church. The gospel church is a caring church. The gospel church is a church that, that accepts, accepts people in and says, listen, uh, I care for you, you and, and God cares for you. You have a shepherd when we understand that you're weary. We understand that you're not perfect and, and you don't gotta clean up your vocabulary before God loves you. You don't gotta get your life straight before God loves you. He already loves you. He already cares for you. That, that's the gospel church, the church that understands that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You, you didn't have it together when, when he came drawing you, and I didn't either. And that's why we have got to be people who can see the world and see other people around us and Man, even see other Christians around us that aren't ask, acting right. And we start to look at them and see them, how the way that Jesus saw them, the way, the way there's compassion towards them. Because when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them. And it's interesting that, that, that verse, Verse 36 here, it's it's interesting to me because if we look at verse 35, Jesus is teaching and preaching and healing the sick. And then in verse 36, th- there are people that that are still without a leader, still without a savior, still don't know God. And, and, he, and he decides, I, it's time now for me to empower and equip the saints to do the work, to equip the children of God, to equip those who are saved to do the work of God. So he's like, I, I ain't doing doing this by myself, I'm gonna empower you to go out and you to do the labor, you to do the work. And there he shows us that this can't be done by just one person. What church does this tell us about the church? It's like God never instituted the church to just be a group of people who come together and watch the pastors do the work. That is not what God created the church for. He created the church that the body of Christ would come together and encourage one another and equip one another and edge each other on. Come on, you, you you can do it because we're all as individuals supposed to take our own gifts, our own abilities into our own spheres of influence to where we go out into the world and we all have the responsibility to do the work. Who am I talking to? I'm talking to you to every person here. And Jesus himself is like, no, this is, this is not just my task, this is the task of every one of my followers. So are, are you following Jesus? Are you walking with him? Because he gave you a responsibility. He gave you a task. And we see it here, it says, it says when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep having no shepherd. I want to pause there first. Like it, at first, it really frustrates me that Jesus compares us to sheep because I think sheep are stupid, you know, to be honest. But the truth is sheep are not dumb. They're actually very intelligent animals. What, what the, the problem with sheep is sheep are vulnerable, And they're vulnerable because they have a tendency by their own devices. If a sheep left to its own devices will wander away from the shepherd and will wander away from the flock and it has no way to defend itself and protect itself. Therefore, a sheep isolated, a sheep by itself is ultimately going to end up in ruin, is ultimately going to die. So what is he saying about you and I? He's saying that that a man and a woman that 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 you have a tendency to wander away from the flock the church there's a tendency that we all carry to want to just I'll just go do church in the mountains I'll just go do church on my own I don't I don't, I don't need the flock and we have a tendency to wander then away from the shepherd, well, I think I want to do life my way, not his way. I, don't, I, like, I know what he says about this specific area, but I, I want to do it my way. And we, What do we do? We wander away. And that makes us vulnerable to isolation, to where a man left to his own devices will chase after his own sins and, and, and ultimately find death. So he makes this comparison first that we're like sheep that every person, needs, uh, every person needs a flock, a church family, but more important than that, every person needs a shepherd. And there is only one shepherd. Make no mistake, there's a lot of pastors here at the church, but that has nothing to do That we under, with the fact that we understand there is only one shepherd, only one chief shepherd, and his name is Jesus. And we follow him, and he protects us. Man, we talked about it last week, that he's the one fighting our battles for us. While we're in the field grazing a sheep, he's the one holding the staff, ready to whoop the enemy anytime it tries to come near us. It's like people think about shepherds, like, oh, they're just real nice and take care of the animals. There's two ends of a staff. There's one that hooks the sheep and pulls it in, and there's another that'll crack you right across the face. And we've got to understand that our God is a warrior, and he cares for us. We're like sheep with no shepherd. When we look at the world, when Jesus saw them, he had compassion for them. And he makes this analogy this analogy that. Uh, Like a farming analogy with sheep, and then he flips it over and he makes an agricultural analogy. Just like we talked about last week, he, he he then flips it and starts talking and making a comparison like we're like wheat. He then said to the disciples, "The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few." The, so he's like, what is he saying? The harvest, the, the wheat is ready. The crop is ready. It's plentiful. And the word plentiful here is it, it, telling us, it's expressing to us that it means it's ready right now. And if you know anything about any sort of farming, what, what you would know, any sort of ag- agricultural product, you would know when it's time for the harvest, you don't have much time. Like you gotta get out there and you gotta get it done. You can't just let the fruit rot on the tree. You can't just let the wheat rot in the field. You can't just let things go when it's it's plentiful. It needs to happen now. It says the harvest is plentiful but the laborers are few. And there are so many stories and accounts in the Bible and, and in history we see that when it came time for there to be a harvest, no matter what it was, if it was wheat or whatever, everybody that was willing, the farmer would pay them to come out and, and do the work of the harvest because it has to happen now. It's time sensitive. It's, it's like, it's gotta happen now. So what does that mean? Is that means that people that normally worked in textiles would be out in the fields farming and harvesting. And people that were, were stay-at-home moms would, would be out there harvesting. And kids who didn't have jobs would be out there harvesting. And and, and soldiers would be out there harvesting. And we'd see that there was lawyers and bankers and doctors that would go out and harvest. And he's saying, what we need is to recognize that all of these people around us that are hurting, that they need to come to God. God loves them so much and has a compassion for them. And it's time. We're ready. It's time. They are ready right now God has gotten them to the point that they're ready so what do we need because there's a problem here what do we need we need laborers and I love that there's a distinction with the fact that he says laborers not craftsmen not skilled workers because that would indicate we need like giftedness and education and talent like He doesn't say go out and find every horticulturist you can. Everyone who has a degree in botany, we need them right now. No, he's any willing hand. What is he talking about? Anyone who's willing to go out and do the work. Anyone who's willing. The willingness is what this is all about. Are you willing to see the people around you the way that God sees them with compassion, number one. And then are you willing to do the work of the harvest? Are you willing to go into the workplace and talk to people about God? Are you willing to go to your your neighbors and talk to them about Jesus, to invite them to church? Are you willing to, to talk to your friends on the soccer field, as you watch your kids play sports or wherever you are and, and, and talk to them about God because he's not talking about, you need a degree in theology and then, then we need to find those people and pray for them. He's saying, no, 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 no. We need laborers who will just go out because he's saying, the, the harvest is plentiful. What does that mean? The work the work is done, there's been the growth. There is a place now where each person is ready to come to the knowledge of. Jesus Christ he does that work we don't do that work so we have got to get ready to just be prepared to to bring them in when they're ready but how are you going to know if they're ready if you never open your mouth and ask it's funny because um, I struggle with this sometimes when I, I want to invite someone to church and maybe you've experienced this too if you've ever been in an argument with someone about religion like come on You've, you've experienced that. It can, it can get ugly, right? So, sometimes I carry a chip on my shoulder when I come into, like, trying to tell people that Jesus loves them. <laughs> Funny, right? But it's true. It's like, I can remember, like, feeling like I'm at a restaurant, and there's a server talking to me, and the guy, every time he comes to my table, I'm feeling this, like, impression on my heart, like, I should, I should invite this guy to church. I should... I should see what he's doing this weekend and invite him to church to, to just come with me to hear about Jesus, to tell him God loves him and stuff like that. And I'm feeling that every time he's coming back to the table and we're talking and we're talking about, he just feels so busy and he's tired, he's worn out, he's weary, he's like, it's like, wow, He's he he needs Jesus, right? I could, I could talk to him, I'm feeling that. And then I finally get up to the guts to do it and I get, I, it's like he comes to the table and it's like the posture of my heart is like my dukes are up and I'm ready. I'm like, Jesus loves you, you should come to church because i'm ready for the kickback right but man i get a different sense from this passage i get a different sense because jesus is saying god's already been working on people god's already been doing the work in their heart you can remember for yourself that that god was working on you that you started seeing there was an emptiness on the inside that you were trying to fill with so many different things. You would, you, you would search for things that would, would try to fill that. You were tired, you were worn out. You knew that there was something else and you started filling this drawing. And God is doing that work for the people that he has ready, that are ready in this harvest, that are ready in our communities, that are ready in your office right now to come to know Jesus. So he says, guys, It's time, it's like the harvest is ready, we're ready to go, and he gives this big pump up speech, you guys ready to rock, look at this, the harvest is ready, you ready for the plan now? And everyone's like, yeah, let's get the plan. Everyone's pumped, let's go, let's attack, let's move out there, it's gonna be amazing, here's the plan, I want you to pray. You're like, what? how in the world do you like pump me up like it's time for me to go out there and tell people about Jesus and invite people and get all ready and excited and you tell me now, pray, not go? That doesn't make any sense. That's like if a football team were to be in the locker room and they're like, the coach is pumping them up beforehand, they got their helmets on, they're slamming their heads together, yeah, let's do this, we're gonna kill the other team, it's gonna be amazing, and the coach is like, you guys are awesome, we're gonna win, this is our house, right? No, I want you to all take your pads off and sit down. We're gonna talk together. Like what? Everyone would look like the Broncos record, right? I mean, it would be terrible. I'm sorry. Uh, There's just, there's some bitterness I need to work out with God later. I'm sorry. But it it makes no sense, right? But he says, therefore pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send out laborers to the harvest, that there would be workers, right? So, First off, why is he telling us to pray? Well, I think first off, he's telling us to pray so that we get out of the posture of a fight because I recognize, wait a minute, I'm not the savior, I'm not the answer. I am just a, a middleman to point you towards the answer. So when I'm telling you Jesus loves you, I'm just being kind enough to let you know the truth that can help you. When, when, I, when I ask you to come to church with me, you can reject that, you can push that away, but I'm just, I'm giving you an opportunity where you could hear about Jesus so it, it, it takes that, that savior mentality, that posture out of us. But then it, it, it's interesting that he tells us exactly what to pray. And, and see, what we do as Christians, what we've been taught from an early age, it sounds nice, it's got good intention, but we pray this candy prayer that really is us shirking off any sort of responsibility. We pray things like, God, would you save my neighbor? God, would you save my boss? And what are we doing? We're going, I don't have to worry about it. Someone else will deal with it. But he tells us what to pray. God says, Jesus says, pray to the Lord of harvest that that he would send a labor, what's a labor? A willing worker. So God, would you send someone who's willing to my friend to tell my friend that Jesus loves them? God, would you send someone who knows you and loves you to, to my coworker who, who who's willing to to invite my coworker to church? It's like, wait a minute, this is like a trick. Yeah, you seeing the trick here? It's like because you're starting to think it's like, this is what he's telling us to pray, just like put it out there, it's all gonna be handled. And, and we start waiting, God would you send someone who knows my brother to tell my brother that, that, that Jesus loves them and you're like, wait a minute, I'm praying for myself. I'm praying God would you make me willing God, would you make me the type of person who, who instead of sitting on my hands and just being happy with the way my life is, I recognize that I see the world like you told me to see it with compassion. And I'm gonna look at the world and say, the uh, Jesus said they're ready. It's time for me to just go collect it and bring it back to the Father's house. It's time for me to just go put the invite out there. Would you come to church with me? Would you watch this video with me online? What, what, can I just tell you my story about? How I met Jesus. Would would you be the willing person? Would you be the willing worker? He says, he looked at them with compassion because they were weary and scattered like sheep, having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Are you willing to be that willing worker? Are you willing to not wait on the right education and, and have all the answers, but to just do the work that God is inviting you into that He's already prepared you for and prepared them for? Isaiah 6, 8 says, Then I heard the Lord asking, Whom shall I send as a messenger to, his, to this people? Who will go for us? I said, here I am. Send me. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I pray that right now that you would help us to see the world with the same compassion that you see us with. That, God, we'd stop just overlooking people because of our routines, but we would see that we are around people all day long that are hurting, and it's not that they're Uh, that they're just angry and mean. No, they're angry and mean because they're hurting and they need a shepherd, they need you. So I pray that you would change our hearts towards our community. And then God, at the same time, I pray that you would change our hearts to make us willing. Whatever is causing us to not be willing to do your work, I pray that you would change that in us right now. That's what we ask, Heavenly Father, so that we would be the willing workers who would go out into the harvest and bring people back to you. It's all for your glory, it's all for Jesus, it's all for the fact that you loved us so much, you saved us, and you don't want it to end with us, you want that for everyone. So God, please be with us, give us the strength, give us the courage, and and help us, God, as we start inviting people and talking to people about Jesus, even today. In Jesus' name I pray, and everybody said? Amen. Amen, I love you church family, let's give our God a shout of praise.
5: Thanks so much for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You can do that right now. I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me, to say, dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on the cross for my sins, and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my Savior, to guide my life, and to give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in your precious Son, Jesus Christ's name. Amen. If you just prayed this prayer for the first time, or you need prayer, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY or at at com. If this was your first time experiencing Fellowship Church, please click the first time link located in the description below the video. Thanks again. We hope to see you next week for our online services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m.